If there's one thing that this virus has done, it has brought back to the forefront the idea you have choices. And I have choices. It stopped us dead in our tracks and made us examine the decisions we were making in relation to our families, in relation to our jobs, to our health. If it did nothing more for the world, it said to you, you have a choice about the way you're going to live your life today. We started this Lessons from the Wilderness last week, and we talked about Adam and Eve having to leave the garden. And what I pointed out last week was the thing that was amazing to me, and I had never thought about it, was that Adam and Eve, when, when they were asked to leave the garden, driven from the garden, expelled from the garden, whatever language you want to use, when God said to them, you can't live here anymore, they didn't ask God to go with them. When God said, you have to leave the garden, they didn't immediately turn around and say, then when are we going to see you? Is it assumed that they were going to see him out in the world? And remember last week what I said to you was, when we had to leave the church, how intentional were we about saying to God, when am I going to see you? Or did we just expect that God was still at church and, well, when we would tune in on Sunday morning, then we would think about Him or see Him or... And I challenged last week, what does it mean if they had left the garden? What would it have been like for Adam and Eve if they had said to God, okay, I get it. We sinned. I get it. This, this is a consequence. But we don't want to be without you. And we know what happened in the world because for the next thousand years, we essentially said, all right, we got this. And a thousand years later, God is going to look at humanity and he's going to say, I am sorry that I ever created them. Wow! Because it says the hearts of men were evil. How did we do? How did we do out of the garden without God being with us? Not so well. And so we're given another chance because God, because God pulls Noah and he, he has him build an ark and he resettles and restarts humanity. And the next period of time, we find ourselves in bondage, God's people. We find ourselves in bondage in Egypt. And we know the story because Moses is going to come and God's going to call him and, and miracles are going to lead the people out of bondage and we go into the wilderness, and that's where I want to pick the story up today. Because once again, we are put in the wilderness. This time, it's literally called the wilderness of sin. That's what this area is called. And it sits right at the bottom of Mount Horeb. And Mount Horeb is that mountain that represents all of the evil gods of the world. 
Now, the people don't think these gods are evil, but God calls them evil. It's the place of Satan. It's the place where Isis and Osiris, if you are Egyptian, it's the place that they are. Think Mount Olympus in our Western stories. The place that Zeus lives and the place that Aphrodite lives. All of these wonderful Greek gods. Think Mount Olympus. And then you've got Mount Horeb in the ancient world. And that's the mountain that God brings the people to. And it's in the wilderness. It's called the wilderness of sin. And you know what happens in that wilderness because the people look up and they see literally the presence of the Almighty God sitting on top of the mountain that everybody believes is the home of all the gods of the world in that day and age. And he says things like this to them. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods in this world except me. And he's saying that from a cloud of fire with lightning and thunder on top of the mountain that everybody in the world at that day believes is the home of the gods. That's a pretty powerful image. But we know what happens because they're at the base of that mountain. Moses goes up there for 40 uh, 40 days. They don't hear from him. So they go to Aaron. And at the beginning of the 32nd chapter of the book of Exodus, it says, where's Moses? Maybe God's not so uh, friendly with him anymore. The lightning hasn't stopped. The thunder hasn't stopped. And you know what the people did, right? They said to Moses, we need God. And so Moses, or Aaron tells him to do what? Give me all your gold. Why would he do that? Because they're going to make a golden calf. And the people are going to bow down to a golden calf. Get the image in your mind because it's a startling image. You've got God sitting on top of the mountain with literally a pillar of fire and smoke and lightning and thunder. And you say to your religious leader, give us a God that we can worship. And so they pull the gold off their ears and they take it off their their wrists. They melt it down and they make a golden calf. Why? Because that's what they're programmed to do. That's the way you worship God in Egypt. You don't have a relationship with God. You don't know God. You certainly don't hear from God. You build an image, you build an idol, you put it on an altar, and you go and you pray to it. Does anybody remember the days when computer programming was just getting started? I know that we live in a day and age now where just on our screens we have little bitty pictures and we just click on them with our our little arrows, right? Our little cursors, our pointers. 
Or we get on our phone and our thumbs just tap a little picture and it takes us right to where we want. And we don't understand anymore necessarily uh, the way those who began to program in something called Microsoft DOS, a disk operating system, we don't understand that all that's really happening is when we touch that little icon, the computer is running a program that it's been told to run every time that happens. Nothing new. Nothing new happens. You click on the picture and every time it's going to do this for you. And if it doesn't, it's because your computer is having problems. Maybe it's gotten a virus. Sound familiar? Maybe it has crashed in some way. That's what the Israelites are experiencing at this point. For 400 years, they have been in a country and they have learned that to worship God means you build an image, you put it on an altar, you don't have to have a relationship with Him. He's not going to really talk to you. And you bring Him something. God, as He brought the people out of Egypt, He said, that's not what it means to worship me. I am God. I am not one of these gods of the world. And make no mistake, they do exist. In my theology and in my life, Satan is real. He is not a made-up figure from history. The scriptures tell me that Satan is alive and roaming this earth. And he has demons. And there are other gods, Elohims. Other, call them angels, call them whatever you want. Scripture has lots of names for them. That are against God and against humanity. And they are active and alive. In the ancient world, they saw the home of all of those was Mount Horeb. In our day and age, they're just everywhere. I want you to get a sense. I told you that because I want you to get a sense of what it means. In the 33rd chapter, after all of that has happened, God says, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord God. Chapter 33 uh, 33 of the book of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go from here, you and the people that you have brought out of the land of Egypt. And I want you to go to the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will send my angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Pittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Go up to that land. But listen to this in verse 3. I will not go with you. I will not go with you. Why? For you are a stiff-necked people. And if I go with you, I will destroy you. Whew. 
All right, once again, we're being expelled. Now, this time, we're being told, go to a land that is good, that I have prepared for you. Unlike out of Eden, it was go into the earth, have dominion over it, subdue it. This one is, there's a land flowing with milk and honey, go to it, but I'm not going with you because if I go with you, I am a holy God and I will destroy you because you are not holy people. Now here's what's different about this story. Moses took his tent, verse 7, and he pitched it outside of the camp. That's, that's, that's Moses, and he's like, all right, God, we got to talk. Moses got the message loud and clear. I'm not going with you, Moses. I'm not going with the people. I want you to imagine what the people are experiencing, because you know what happens. Moses comes down from the mountain. He sees the golden calf. He's furious. God is furious. He, he takes it. He crushes it up, puts it into little bitty gold sand almost, and he makes the people drink it in their water. In other words, he makes a point to the people. This isn't the way we worship God. And he drives that point home to them. And then he goes and he gets his tent. <laughs> you could just almost see him packing it up. <laughs> Slamming it together. He goes far away from the camp and the people are watching him. And it's like, what's going on here? I can just imagine them saying, what? God's leaving us? Now Moses is leaving us? We don't have a golden calf. What are we supposed to do now? Moses pitches his tent far enough away from camp that they know he's gone, but not so far that they can't see him because every day, and he sets his tent back up. Every day the people, it says, go to the doors of their tents and they look at Moses' tent because what Moses does every day is he comes out to the front of his tent and God leaves the tabernacle. Remember, they've built a tabernacle. And God leaves the tabernacle and he goes and he talks to Moses at the door of Moses' tent. Well, what do you suppose they were talking about? The Bible tells us what they were talking about. Moses took his tent, pitched it outside the camp, and everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out, that the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into what is now the tabernacle, which is the door of his own tent. And here's what Moses said to the Lord. You said to me, bring up this people. This is verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you, you said to me, bring this people up. But you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. You've said, I know you by name. Moses says, you said to me, I know you, Moses, by name, and you have found grace in my sight. So therefore, Lord, if I have found grace in your sight, show me the way that I might know you, that I might find grace in your sight, and know that this nation is your people. In other words... He says, verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, then don't even bring us up from here. Do you hear the difference in the two stories, Adam and Eve, 
in Moses and the people of God going out of Egypt. In Adam and Eve, they just go out and for a thousand years we try to do it on our own. In the Exodus, we find we're going to go into the wilderness and we're going to be there for 40 years. And Moses essentially says on behalf of the people, because it says the people took all their jewelry off. They, they mourned the fact that God had said to them, I'm not going with you. And Moses says, if you're not going to go with us, then just don't even bring us up out of here. Our relationship with God is not a program. It's just that. It's a relationship. Back in Egypt, we didn't have to think about it. Back, back in the days before the virus hit us, can I ask you, were you seriously thinking about what family looked like or were you just kind of doing the things that you were programmed to do? Well, I just, I'm supposed to go to work today, so I go to work. Well, I'm supposed to cut the grass on Friday, so I cut the grass. Well, I guess it's time to make dinner again, so let's make dinner. Only, only choice is what are we going to have? Well, that's just the way my kids are. Well, that's just the way mom is. Well, that's just the way my parents are. Could I suggest to you that the virus is a time that God gave us not that I believe he sent the virus but it is a time that God gave us to reconsider what life looks like and what the programs that we have put in place look like is, is your faith in God is your relationship to your church a program well it's Sunday morning let's go back to church or is it about a relationship with God you see, that's what's different from Egypt to the promised land. God says, I'm not a God of stone. I'm not a God of metal. I am a God that wants to be in relationship with you. I am your God and you are my people. You shall have no other gods before me. Lewis and Clark, as they were heading west, <clears throat> you know, they were looking for a path to get to the Pacific Ocean because everybody knew that it was there. But everybody was also pretty sure because we knew nothing about the middle of the United States of America. Everybody was also pretty sure that all you had to do was get up to the top of the Rocky Mountains and the ocean was going to be right there. And so they packed their canoes and they paddled up the rivers and they got up to the top of, of the Rocky Mountains essentially and the rivers ran out. And so they left the canoe and they began to walk because they just knew that all they had to do was get to the top of that mountain. And so you've got a bunch of people that knew how to paddle canoes. And they paddled for everything they were worth until the river ran out. And then they packed the things on their backs and the people that were still strong enough climbed the rest of the mountain. And they got up to the top of the mountain and you know what they saw. They saw that as far as they could see there was nothing but mountains. And they turned around and they looked at the rivers that were now down there that they had traveled up to get there. And they looked at the mountains and it hit them. The things that got us here are not going to get us there. 
The programs that had worked up to that point were not the things that were going to get them to the Pacific Ocean. And you know what they had to do. They had to get people that knew how to live in the mountains to get them through the mountains. And so we get these wonderful stories about the Native Americans of, of the mountains and the Rockies that, that helped them traverse those. And all the people that, that knew how to paddle canoes, they either had to retrain themselves or they had to go back to the places they could paddle canoes. Our faith in God is about understanding what he wants us to do in relationship next. And so the people left Egypt. Unfortunately, when they left Egypt, they didn't leave all the programming behind. And it took them 40 years for God to reprogram them. I would suggest to you that one of the lessons from this virus, from this wilderness, I would suggest that this is an opportunity to re-examine the programs that are running our lives. Family is about relationships. Church is about a relationship with each other and about a relationship with God. Our jobs. Graduating high school, it has caused us and our graduating seniors to re-examine the programs that have been put in place. And you know what those programs are. Well, you're either going to go, you graduate here, we, we have your senior prom, we do a graduation, we do a baccalaureate, you have your last fun senior summer, and then you just go off to college, right? Well, maybe not. Because maybe you're not going off to college. Or maybe if you go off to college, it's not the standard college that your mama used to go to. And maybe you don't go to college at all. It's an opportunity to re-examine the programs that have been running our lives, running our church, running our schools, running our jobs. And the people of God found that when things became about their relationship with God, their relationship with each other, they struggled with that. But they understood this important fact. If it's about a relationship with God, brothers and sisters, you can't do it without God. And so what the people of Israel found as they left Egypt, when God said to them, I can't go with you, they said, then we're not going. Don't even bring us up. Don't even bring us up if you're not going to go with us. And God went with them. Now, in all fairness, some of them died. Because they were not a holy people. But more of them lived. Were reprogrammed. He was their God. And they were his people. Amen. Would you stand? I'd love to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and may God give you peace. God is good. And all the time. Go in peace. God bless everybody.